Holly G with the Golf Insiders. And today's edition of For Your Game is uh, featuring one of our favorites. She's an LPGA Teaching Hall of Famer, a Golf Digest Top 50 Teacher in America, and she's in rarefied air as a female member of the PGA of America. And it's always a pleasure to have my friend and one of the best teachers in the country, Kay McMahon from Golf 8.5. Hello, Kay. Good morning, Holly. And you are one of my favorites, so I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you about golf. Well, one of the things we talk about and feature in this For Your Game segment is the rules of golf. And we got to see an extraordinary moment over the weekend at the BMW Championship at Olympia Fields in Chicago. John Rahm, in a what-was-he-thinking moment, forgot to mark his ball. It really was quite incredible to see that, given that, you know, he's a PGA Tour professional. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. For him not to mark his golf ball, when you said what was he thinking, is actually he wasn't thinking is really what was happening. Um, but it was kind of interesting. I was on another Zoom call with some LPGA Tour players, um, Lizette Salas and Amy Yang from the LPGA, and they were asked, um, what was it hard after the COVID you know, pause, um, getting back into competition? And they were kind of giggling about it, and they were saying, the hardest thing is to remember to mark your golf ball, or one of the things is hardest. Because when you're playing casual golf, you know how when you play casual golf, sometimes you just don't mark the ball. You pick it up, clean it, you put it back down. It's no big deal. So it just, um, you know, it kind of broke their habit of doing things. And so it was kind of interesting considering that uh, John Rahm actually forgot to mark his golf ball, which I'm sure that he wished he would have, because if he had, he wouldn't have had to have been in the playoffs, which he fortunately then did win. But it was a big kind of, as you said, a whiff, <laughs> a big yeah, whiff. Big, big whiff, um, for sure. And, um, you know, we, we always talk about the importance of routine in golf. And this is really what keeps uh, professional golfers in the zone and, you know, is something that, we know amateur golfers probably are have a little weaker muscle of developing their golf routine and that's not only you know what you do when you're on the tee box or in the fairway but it's really important where you score the most on the putting green Oh, you're absolutely right. And you have to, you know, you really have to do develop that routine. And that does really put you in the zone. Um, people always want to talk about the mental practice. And, but if you sometimes get just doing the same thing over and over again, pretty soon you get yourself in that zone or that little bubble and you have less distractions. Um, and you're right on the putting green. You really need to, uh, to develop that routine of what you're going to do and look at the pot and read it, et cetera, et cetera, and trying to do the same thing over and over again because it does put you in, in that zone. Marking the golf ball is one of those things, though, so it's hard to believe that a professional golfer would forget to actually do that. But things happen, don't yes, they? Yes, they sure do. Um, speaking of routine, 
you know, you work with so many um, levels of golfers. What would be your one tip uh, for, uh, you know, average Joe golfer in terms of something that would help their routine? Well, um, we could talk about what we always talk about in routine, um, which we call G-cap. It's the four things you do before the swing. And um, what the G-cap stands for is you first grip the club, then you set the club down, and what you're really doing is aiming it, and then you set your feet. Most amateurs, what I call, do the penguin walk, and they kind of waddle up to the ball and set their feet first, and then they try to aim the club head. So it's really kind of out of order. So we change the order of the first grip it, you then set the club head on the ground by aiming it, and then you set your feet. So that would be one of the biggest things. And we've had a very high success rate in people saying, I now that's the only way I can set up. And they really, actually, it helps their speed of play by developing that routine because they're doing the same thing over and over again the same way, and it's in the right order. They're not standing over the ball with those 1,001 things going through their head because they've got the right order of how they're actually doing something. Yes, and that's, that's part of your uh, Golf 8.5, uh, Simple Steps to a Classic Swing, which people can find out more about at educationgolf.com, which we'll uh, plug at the end of the podcast here, Kay. Another thing we talk about a lot, um, especially, and, and analysts do, when they're covering uh, tournaments, PGA Tour events, we've seen a lot of it the last few weeks, uh, different uh, courses for horses that these guys have been playing from, you know, TPC Boston where DJ shot 30 under to uh, a U.S. Open type course at Olympia Fields in Chicago this past week that, uh, you know, had such, you know, thick, rough and uh, tight fairways and, um, you know, they barely broke par to win the event. Um Part of what we've been seeing is so many different types of lies uh, that got the, the pros have had to contend with. And I think that's something amateurs don't pay enough attention to. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, you are absolutely right. During a lot of our webinars that we do and even in-person lessons, the one thing that pro professional golfers do is the first thing they look at, and you're right about broadcasters on TV, they always go, how's the lie look? In the lie, people don't really understand what lie means, is how the golf ball is sitting in the grass, whether it's a tight lie or it's a fluffy lie or there's lots of grass behind it or the grass is growing in the, you know, towards them or away from them. Um, so most amateurs, this is talking about routine, first just kind of consider the distance, and they get their um, – range finders out and look at the distance without even looking at the lie. Um, and then I get a lot of amateurs that say, well, I need to be hitting my three wood, especially women, because they need the distance. And I say, but if you have a tight lie, you're probably going to have a 90% chance of topping the ball. So one thing about lies is, is first just seeing how it's sitting in the grass, which isn't even yet talking about your uneven lies. And that's kind of what you alluded to in, the different golf courses that the professionals play. Um, I think it was the TPC over here in, in um, Connecticut that they had way uphill and downhill, side hill lies, and they were all up. They were all up balance. Yes, um, is what they were. Yes. But going back into you know the live how golf ball sits, I get a lot of questions about 
thick grass and how to hit it out of thick grass and especially out of thick wet grass and um, it becomes it becomes very difficult so you really have to know which club to choose and kind of the swing that you really need to make um, so looking at the lies one thing that amateurs can really start to really pay attention to before they really consider distance so let's talk about that a little bit so um, you know at uh, the PGA Championship uh, out in San Francisco, uh, some of that rough was, uh, you know, just almost unplayable. So you'd see the guys, you know, really just getting the ball back in play. And I think that's another key part, right? Making a smart decision to get the ball in play so that you can then hit your next favorite club. Well, you're absolutely right, is that, some of the rough, sometimes when we used to play in the U.S. Opens, is you you could almost lose your shoes or you couldn't see your shoes because the rough was so thick. Um, so in sometimes you just have to sacrifice distance and choose a different club, like a much higher lofted club, just to get it back in play. Um, you also want to make a, what we would call a, a little steeper swing so the ball will get out of that thick rough a little faster as opposed to, you know, let's say a, a low hybrid that just keeps the, the ball kind of too low and, and the, gr the grass will actually catch it. But again, most amateurs really need to get it back into play. Forget, you know, you still have a chance of making par, but what you're really trying to do is to avoid that double or triple bogey because you need a couple of birdies to get those back. Um, one kind of thing that people could do to help them get them out of that lie is actually open up the club face with whatever club you're going to hit a bit because as the grass catches it if it happens to be a square club face when you start it and the grass catches it it's going to close the club face and that the toe of the club is going to pass the heel and you'll get stuck in the grass and the ball is going to go absolutely nowhere so in, in opening it up if the grass does catch it at least the blade gets back to square uh, but it'll also, by opening it up, increases the loft of the club, and you're going to get the ball out of the deep rough a little faster. Let's talk about uh, bunkers in that regard, because uh, we don't always get nice, fluffy lies in a bunker. And, you know, in particular, out at uh, TPC Harding Park, they talked about, you know, the minimal amount of sand in the bunkers out there. Totally, uh, you know, different conditions. Well, you're right, because everybody wants to hit that beautiful big blast shot, explosion shot out of the bunker. But if you don't have very much sand in the bunker at all, that big cushion underneath, with the wedges today with the bounce or the sole, as you hit a harder pan bunker, that club is going to bounce and hit the ball in the middle, and it's going to skull it, and you're not going to get any height, or it's going to bounce right back at you. So you almost then, with not a, very much sand underneath it, you almost have to hit it like a pitch shot and almost feel like you have to pick the ball off the sand just like you'd be picking it off of a tee or you'd have to consider it like a very tight lie in the fairway, meaning, again, no grass or no cushion underneath it. The other thing that people need to really realize in the bunker is if your feet or legs move too much, you're probably going to hit it fat or thin or something, so you have to keep your lower body extremely quiet and really have much more of an arm swing. Very interesting, very interesting. How about also ball position? That's key as well. You're asking a lot of good, tough questions this morning, Holly. <laughs> but you're right. If it's a big, fluffy sand um, and you're going to hit an explosion shot, 
you want to play it more up in your stance or more towards your forward foot. Um, as we say for right-handers, a left football position stands for loft, and right football position stands for a little bit more run. Left loft, right run. So if there's no sand underneath it and you need to pick it a little cleaner, you want to play it back a little bit more in your stance. And again, not way back, but you don't want to play it too far forward because that would then scull the ball. So we always talk about, too, that going into any shot, you want to have a plan going in so that you know what you're trying to do. Most amateurs just say, I need to swing. But you actually want to try to do something that's actually going to, you're going to try to plan what you're going to do so that you know what type of club you're going to choose and then how much of a swing you're going to actually take. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, the difference between par or double bogey. You're absolutely right. So you want to have a plan so that you're trying to figure out what you're trying to execute. And sometimes you may not execute exactly what you have planned, but at least then you're going to start to gain from experience of at least I had a plan and it was maybe the wrong one, so next time I can really maybe do something different. So you're absolutely right. Okay. I always learn something from you every time we speak. And I have to say in my, let's see, uh, hmm, 40 plus years of playing golf, uh, left for loft, right for run. Have not ever heard that before. And that's a great little tip. So um, I know one of the things you've been doing during um, uh, the COVID adventure is offering terrific online webinars and um, if my listeners are interested in participating in this I can't speak highly enough about them Kay uh, really keeps it simple uh, she's got as you can tell a great sense of humor and is a great communicator and um, you know one of the best in our business so Kay tell our listeners how they could actually have a lesson with you whether online or in person or participate in one of your webinars well thanks for the webinar plug uh yeah we you can go to educationgolf.com and uh click on uh, webinars we're going to continue them through the fall and through the winter so you can learn at home but we've had people with such great successes um that have been participating in our webinars we also do on friday mornings a q a with Kay, which uh, i love i love and she gives this to all her students complimentary it's awesome yeah yeah it's fun because of the questions they ask and we've had some very good conversations so um they're also going to be posted on our blog and our website uh, so people can listen to them but that's free all you have, they have to do is email k at educationgolf.com and we send you the link and you can participate in our webinars so that would be great yeah, and once again, it's educationgolf, E-D-U-K-A-Y-T-I-O-N-golf.com. Thank you, Kay, as always, for spending some time with us and uh, helping us improve our game. Well, it's been a pleasure, and as I usually sign off, keep your head up. It's a game, and your scores will come down. <laughs>